trumpet with an arm upraised, saying, Halt, brother! I wish to reason politely with you as to why you should not cross this picket line in an officially recognised dispute. This invitation to a debate had no effect whatsoever on the driver. The coach surged forward. Ben stood his ground until the luxy vehicle was almost upon him, then he stepped aside with the unexpected agility of a bullfighter, and was seen to stoop suddenly, uh, perhaps as though picking something up from the ground. Seconds later, the windscreen of the coach was shattered by a hard object flung with considerable force. The driver was seen twisting the wheel, and then he crashed into the gatepost, where the coach came to a full stop. When the door was pulled open, the driver was found to have been cut on the head and neck by flying glass. An artery had been severed, and within minutes he was dead. The police car arrived in a surprisingly short time. Although when it stopped by the crashed coach, the band of pickets had diminished, and the younger men had scarpered. As the dead coach driver was removed by the ambulance men who had come on the scene, Basher Baker was standing near the body, singing the red flag. Then raise the scarlet standard high, within its shade we'll live or die, though cowards flinch and traitors sneer, we'll keep the red flag flying here. He was immediately arrested, and later charged with the manslaughter of the coach driver. In due course, and thanks to our old legal system still being in operation, Basher was able to obtain the services of the most wily and experienced member of the criminal bar, uh, namely yours truly. Dramatic events were also taking place in our chambers in Equity Court. Work was a touch thin on the ground at that time, and I used to drop into chambers to do the crossword and as a temporary refuge from domestic bliss. I arrived a little late one morning to be told by Henry R. Clark that a chambers meeting was taking place and that they were waiting for me. Accordingly, I went up to Soapy Sam Ballard's room to find that some sort of boardroom table had been installed. Our head of chambers was seated at the top of it, with Claude Erskine Brown, now apparently restored to favour, at his elbow. Among those present were Uncle Tom, our oldest inhabitant, Miss Liz Probert, the well-known young radical barristerette, her friend Dave Inchcape, the greying practitioner Hoskins, and one or two others. "'Not another chambers meeting?' I asked with some displeasure as I joined the group. "'In a new age of efficiency at the bar,' Ballard told me, "'it might be more appropriate to call it a board meeting.' "'Quite right,' I took a seat next to Uncle Tom. "'I must say I'm bored to tears already. "'I'm afraid that yours is a voice making jokes in the wilderness.' Claude, back at the top, was at his most pompous. "'We at Equity Court decided, while you were away doing a stint of minor crime in the north of England, it was gross indecency in Leeds. It was also my last serious case, and it seemed a long time ago. "'We have decided to put our full weight behind the government's plan to drag the English bar into the twentieth century.' Erskine Brown spoke as though he were making a statement in the house, and was almost overcome by the gravity of the occasion. "'There was a man called Whimpering in chambers in Fountain Court,' Uncle Tom reminded us. "'He told them he was going to drag the bar into the twentieth century, so he bought a new automatic coffee machine instead of the old kettle they used in the briefs cupboard. "'Oh, please, Uncle Tom!' Ballard's mind was clearly on higher things than electric kettles. 
We have decided that to give the customer a real service, we are going to run Equity Court on strictly business lines. You may look on me as chairman of the board. Claude Erskine Brown is managing director. Uh, he will be speaking to our new ideas on possible partnership with solicitors. And how will your new ideas be answering him back? I inquired rudely, I hope. The office Italiano. Uncle Tom was still remembering things past. That was what the machine was called. It was meant to brew up the sort of inky black stuff you used to get at foreign railway stations. We're going to start by working proper business hours. Erskine Brown began to outline a bleak future. Nine to six, and no more than an hour for luncheon. And there'll be a simple form for you to fill in each week so we can monitor each member's productivity. How do we...